it's hard for me to say, I guess it, it was that I loved somebody so hard that I was living in a different reality and I was blindsided by that. And so to step out of that reality that I had chose to, to believe in every day and realize what I had really been living in and what I'd been living with was horrible. Welcome to the Heavy Pages Podcast, a guiding light for women facing the paralyzing challenges of an unwanted separation. If you're feeling frozen by the weight of heartbreak or the uncertainty of a crumbling relationship, you're not alone. I'm Josie, your host and a separation survival specialist because I've been where you are, overwhelmed, emotionally stuck, and unsure of what lies ahead. But here's the truth. Healing and empowerment are within your reach. Together, we'll shatter the chains of paralysis, embrace this journey, and pave the way to your new future. So it's time to step forward, find your strength, and rewrite your story. Because the pages of life can be heavy, but you don't have to turn them alone. Now, before we start today's episode, please consider taking a moment to click that subscribe button. And with that, here we go. Hello, and a warm welcome to today's chapter checkup session, where we will be hearing from another courageous woman as she shares her transformative journey from devastated to divorced. And we'll be using the five chapters of my program as the guide. If you're curious about these chapters and how they align with your personal journey, don't forget to visit heavypagespodcast.com for your free chapter checklist. And with that, here's today's interview. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another chapter checkup session. Today, we have Jane Marie willing to share her story with us. Hello, Jane Marie. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining and for sharing with us today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So, um, well, let's just start off with you sharing a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Jane Marie and I am a life coach for the spiritual entrepreneur and I support mainly empaths and highly sensitive women um, who have come into a place where they've been holding space for people for a very long time and have forgotten to hold space for themselves and have just been going through the motions of life and really wanting to pivot and not really sure how. And they, they're either in the precipice of that or they're, they're in it and really still trying to navigate and negotiate their feelings because it's a really big shift for people who've been holding space for others for so long to start thinking about what it is that they really want. Okay. And you are uh, divorced. Is that correct? Yes. And I am divorced. Okay. And did your divorce or that situation kind of bring you into where you are today with your coaching? Oh, yes. Yes, it did. (laughs) Hi, I'm an empath and a highly sensitive person. And (laughs) I found that I was in a marriage pouring my heart out all the time and not receiving. And I thought that was fine um, because that's what I could do. I could hold space for people. I could make sure that their needs were met and I didn't have to consider mine or have them met. And um, 
And then I realized really the depth of how I feel emotions and that they weren't going to be reciprocated ever. And it was really, really sad. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, however somebody comes to that place of a marriage where it's ending, it doesn't feel good. I, I don't believe it feels good on anyone's either side you're on, but um, what was exactly what I, I kind of just said before is to echo it again, to really sit down and have to separate myself and really think about myself and what I needed in life in general and in a partnership especially was really, really hard and a very hard decision to come to terms with that ending my relationship with my ex was going to be the right thing to do. Oh. Right. So let's start in the yeah, beginning. So How did this you is meet funny kind your of because ex. we grew up I grew up in a town that had a town and a village and we grew up I was in the village and he was in the town and in middle school both elementary schools combined and that's we were in the same homeroom in 6th grade. Yeah, so we knew about each other then, but of course, wow. in sixth grade, it wasn't like hanging out with boys. And then by eighth grade, we had some classes together, and we became like boyfriend and girlfriend, and would like, you know, go to walk to the local farm and get jelly beans. And <laughs> yeah, so we had childhood together. We had. Um, like those nostalgic memories of being young. And okay. then um, I moved to a different school. And so in ninth grade, I was like, this is hilarious. And I'm embarrassed to say this, but I was like, I can't see you anymore. I need to see other people. <laughs> <You know? laughs> new school, new me. I was like, right. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but that's what I did. And then, and we separated and we, we eventually stopped being friends. Honestly, because he started to date um, this woman and the compatibility of sharing friendship and him being in a relationship with her was very ugly and it was very uncomfortable. And so I, I created a hard boundary and I just stopped being friends with him. Shall I continue? Because there's more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please so, do. <laughs> they end up going to college, getting through college and getting married they end up finding a place where they are divorcing. This is like 10 years later. um, And I go, I'm not living in this area anymore, but I go back on a whim because I'm going through a breakup and I just wanted to be with my family. It was Thanksgiving and it's a small town vibe. So a lot of people go back on the holidays. Everybody goes to the local bar and I wasn't going to go out and it's New York. So we know bars stay open late in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so around midnight, I was like, you know what? Let me go hang out with Janine. She's like my bestie. I'm just going to go do that. We end up going to this one watering hole and I walk by my ex and I almost didn't recognize him. And he's like, hey. And then from there, it was just like a rekindling, a really big spark it felt like and you know we started to talk we we all hung out and got coffee that night and um 
I went back, of course, in December because that was Thanksgiving. And I would typically spend the holidays with my parents and really, re- like, really spent time with him and, and tried to figure this out in like what felt like a quick amount of time because I'm in North Carolina, he's in New York. And so from there, that's kind of how we re-met, you know, so we knew each other as kids and then we re-met one night in a bar and okay, and everything moved from there. And how long did you date after meeting again till you got married? Yeah. So we dated you know, things moved quickly. We, we, we long distance dated that spring and then he moved to North Carolina that summer Okay. and we moved in with one another. And then that was 2010. And then in 20, I'm guessing in 2012, we were engaged in the fall and then 2013, we were married in the summer. Okay. And how long were you married? We were married for seven years. Okay. And so we were together for 10 and married for seven. Okay. And whose decision was it to separate? It was mine. Okay. So we're going to um, talk about, obviously, part of what we do here is we discuss the um, From Devastated to Divorce program. And uh, we, we run through the chapter. So before you decided to separate... Do you feel in chapter one, can you relate to being blissfully unaware or subconsciously aware of if what issues and problems were going on in your relationship? Which would you fall under? Or maybe since you chose the separation, maybe you weren't blissfully unaware and you weren't subconsciously aware. You were very consciously aware. I would love to have been consciously aware, Josie. <laughs> I was blissfully unaware. Okay. I... And maybe subconsciously aware. There had been red flags from day one. I mean, getting involved with somebody who's at the end of a divorce, there was the familiarity of us shifting from a place in high school now into adulthood where it felt like, oh, we're picking up where we left off and really not recognizing the depth of what was going on and the reality of that I was stepping into. Um, and that clouded a lot of the red flags. And so I was in that sense, blissfully unaware because I, I fell in love and I decided not to acknowledge these flags and not acknowledge my feelings. And, um, and I kept choosing love. And so what, um, brought you to the point, you don't have to go into, you know, excruciating detail, but (laughs) for you to be able to stand up for yourself enough or, or love yourself enough, if that is the way you see it, to be able to say, I think I need this to be done. Yeah. I I wish I could say it was one thing, but it was over a period of time. And a a real pivotal moment was I, we had been living off grid on five acres and above the five acres was three acres. We owned a house. His office had taken over the house. And so that pushed me out I pushed us out onto living in, I owned a 44 foot long bus that I had renovated. So we were living there. (laughs) So in theory, it sounded, well, maybe not to everybody. In theory, it sounded beautiful. Like I'm living off grid. I'm living on the land. I wake up with the birds, like, but it was really isolating and really lonely. And X Mm. traveled a lot for work. Okay. And I said, I think it's time that we buy a house in town 
you know, and I, and, and I did say, you know, if we are ever going to have kids, if that's something we decide we want, like I, I cannot see that happening out here. Um, you know, that's just, that's a lot. You need support. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it was really that, that decision of standing up for myself there and what I'm sure to almost anyone else sounds normal of like, yeah, why would you, why are you like, go, go live in a house, you know, (laughs) if you have the means go. Um, but that really was like the domino that started everything for me to speak up. Let's, um, let's touch on chapter two, um, blindsided and devastated. Would that chapter relate in your situation because you kind of knew already that you were going to ask for the separation, so you wouldn't have been blindsided by anything specifically, but again, maybe it spoke to you. I'll let you. Yeah, so for me, blindsided and devastated really is maybe less, it felt really complex. It felt, it, it, it's hard for me to say, I guess it, it was that I loved somebody so hard that I was living in a different reality and I was blindsided by that. And so to step out of that reality that I had chose to, to believe in every day and realize what I had really been living in and what I'd been living with was horrible. Yeah. That's uh, when you really have to confront that, it makes it really difficult because, uh, then you're like, what have I been doing? You know, how did I not see this? You know, it's a, why am I doing this to me? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, um, chapter three is better, stronger, loved you. Do you feel that part of why you were able to be um, in this alternate type of reality? Uh, Did you have a self-esteem issue? Do you feel like did you feel like you had good self-esteem going into the relationship? Do you feel like it might have uh, lost it or, or, or yeah, lost it during the relationship or not? Yeah. How do you feel? So this is, this is like um, those really fine lines that we live in, in our own lives is between all the relationships that we have. And for the most part, anyone who would have met me would think confident you know, self-loving, like this person's cruising. Um, But then in intimate relationships, there's a different part of me that shows up. And it was really having to explore that. And um, while I was still acting in accordance to the part of me that's confident, um, there are those areas that become normal where I didn't realize I wasn't being confident, if that makes sense, by people pleasing, by um, sacrificing myself and feeling, you know, like, uh, because, because this person knows better, this person deserves better than like always putting other people before myself. And it's like, not that I don't do that in other relationships, <laughs> but it gets really extreme in intimate relationships. Right. And, in, and in that sense, it made me see this guise that maybe I portrayed, but there's some really extreme truths that underline it that I only I as the experience of, and, and person in my own skin 
can really dive into and it perhaps may not always be seen by others, you know? You know, I want to kind of mesh a little bit of the empath into uh, this chapter because I feel, and I actually did a, an episode recently about being an empath because I feel like I have a lot of those tendencies myself, which puts me in, uh, it, for me, I feel like I take on their feelings. For example, my ex a lot. I I was a super happy-go-lucky person before I met him, super confident, all of this. And he was a, he was a real downer. Mm-hmm. He was a real pessimist about everything. And I started feeling, I started sucking that in. So his bad energy became my bad energy and I hated it. And then at the end of our relationship, I always say this, I had, I turned into him and what I reflected to him, he was like, ugh, I don't like this. And I'm like, wait a minute, this was you. Yeah. <laughs> this, what, what you see here, this is my reflecting of you. Cause I kept, I kept sucking in all of your, ugh, and then. Negativity. Uh, no. Yes. Same, same. And I, I mean, I left that um, relationship horribly afraid that I was, I was like, had the residue of him on me and I wouldn't, you know, like a pessimist, somebody who's just judgmental and critical of so many things. Um, And and I totally hear you because I felt like I internalized that and then became an uglier version of myself. And I would be like, what am I, what is this? This is not right. This is not me. Right. And I think also that, um, I felt like also before the relationship, I had tons of self-esteem. I was like, I knew wh- where I belonged. I knew my value. I knew whatever. Yeah. But the relationship with this person, because it was so much of myself that I wanted, I wanted to heal him. I wanted to help him. And I did so much for him that it actually destroyed myself and my self-esteem. So I think that possibly unhealthy and being an unhealthy empath can totally destroy uh, your self-worth, even when you have all of that going in, because mm-hmm. you go in all tough, like this is, I'm going to help this person. I can do this for this person. And at the end of the day, they might stay the same. I think my ex maybe gotten a little better by the help that I gave him, but I was a disaster and a shell of who I used to be. Same, same. I felt, um, I felt dismantled and, and I, you know, you can never say what's going on in someone else's mind, but it right. felt like a uh, um, divisive to, to, in a controlling sense, right? Of me being an independent, confident person to um, somebody who's codependent. So, some of a, a dynamic that created codependency. Um, and, you know, in the beginning, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. I don't mind if you do that for me. Oh, yes. You know, but then it just becomes this like habitual thing to this point where it's like, well, you can't do that. Let me do it. And it's just like, it's horrible. It's right. really um, a lot of psychological sh- damage and emotional right. damage. And it's like um, a lot to come out of. And so, yeah, coming to that decision, just bringing it back a little, what we were talking mm-hmm. about to having to make a decision and come back to myself is, was extremely hard, extremely hard. Right. Well, and I, I mean, I commend you for that because by the time I was uh, in zero self-esteem, even though I was not happy and even though I also feel that my, you know, my upbringing, uh, my Catholic 
Puerto Rican background, I probably would have never left anyway because you don't, you know, you're not, you're taught that it's really married in the church. You said forever, you're not going anywhere. Uh, I think all of those colliding, I don't see that I would have ever had the strength to leave, even though in retrospect, I know that I was not happy. I, I felt like this is my lot in love and you suck it up and you deal with it and you make lemon aid out of lemons or whatever. Yeah. So I, I would have never had the strength. So that's, um, you know, good for you that you were able yeah. to do it. Oh, yeah. I know because it becomes your norm. And so did right. think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I do appreciate, and I say this, uh, that he had the strength. I appreciate he did me the favor. I would have sat there for God knows how much longer, if not forever. So uh, I hated him for it at first. And I was extremely upset. And, you know, it was a painful journey. Mm -hmm. But obviously, once you get to the other side of it, I am grateful that he did this. I am glad that he did it when I couldn't and that he did. And uh, I'm not even mad about it. So, you know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, and I know that women that are uh, in and where I was then are probably like, she's crazy. How are you happy that it happened? How can you get that? But you do get there at some point for sure. So uh, even after how hard it was for you, even though it was your choice, you know, on the other side of it, best thing you ever did. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. And yeah. I remember reading a book and the, the beginning was like, I'm so grateful that my ex-husband cheated on me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot with this woman right now. But it, it is it is humbling. And you do find gratitude in looking back to know that you're not there anymore. And over on the other side is, is where you're meant to be. Right. So let's, uh, let's touch on chapter four, which is it's over now what? I mean, you sense you kind of already knew that you wanted this, the divorce. You didn't really have to come. To, you still had to come to terms with it, but you came to terms with it in a different way that women would that were basically blindsided with the request. So um, how was the getting to the divorce process? How did he take it? Because in this scenario, he would have been the one, I would assume, that didn't want the the separation and divorce. How did that work out for you? Yeah, <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> it was right. not fun. Um, and and it all started pre-pandemic and then moved as we were in the pandemic. And so um, the isolation served me well, but also made it tricky because it made a wall of protection. And in general, how did it go for him? You know, um, honestly, I really, I, I had to stop talking to him. Um, I had to really not engage. And I, and that really, I think is probably what I think about when I think of isolating, because we had a huge community that we are both a part of, and I had to just stop everything. And Mm -hmm. so I don't really know how it went for him, but from my perspective, it went exactly the way I thought it would. And what I mean by that is, I thought, if I do this, he will be okay because he's going to end up with somebody before I know it. And when he does that, I will know that this is exactly what I needed to do. Because if you're with somebody for that long and you tell them that you love them, 
you can't just flip like a switch and go and be with somebody. Right. And, and in the, in, so like we had the house in town and the eight acres out in the country and in the transition of trying to separate stuff, um, I was, I was trying to, you know, be in that space of like, okay, X offered the help. I'm just going to roll with this and let, let my dog play in the yard for a little bit. Like it's where she used to live. Like it's, it's really a dream property. It's, you know, it's part of big loss, but. Right. So X looked at me and said, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, okay. And he said, um, I need to let you know that mistress X and I have been, have been talking. And I kid you not, Josie, I barely fluttered an eyelash. Everything got still. And it was like, um, it was just like extreme poise to leave and to not lose my cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I just call, I said, come here back. She came, we loaded up in the car. He got in my window and he leaned in. He said, I want you to know I'm still thinking about you. I want you to. Ugh. And I was like, we're going to go. And so that's how it went. Wow. So, yeah. you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know the depth of what, what levels go on through that person, but, um, it was a, it was exactly what I knew was going to happen if it was the right decision. Right. That's excellent. I mean, that gives you that, you know, we always talk about don't really look for closure from them. And I don't think it was from him specifically. It was something that you had already, you know, felt and knew. And then that was just more of the proof that you, that you were doing, that you had done the right thing. Because unfortunately, a lot of men will do this, you know, they'll, they'll go and find someone else. And it kind of shows you that it's not really about me. It's just a body. It's just somebody that you, that you want another person that you can uh, control or, or take care of you or whatever. So it's not me because there's only one me. And if you can replace me that quickly, then it was never about me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that like, who knows what was more painful, but, you know, realizing that I was, I had coupled up with somebody and I, I was driving a vision on my own and choosing to believe in that and then have to shatter that on my own, (laughs) you know, it's right. Yeah. Not it's It's rough. It's real rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you got divorced. How quickly, how did the divorce, did it move along pretty quickly? I mean, you guys had things you had to separate and stuff like that, but was it like a contentious lawyer's thousands of dollars or did it go a little less terrible than that? Yeah. Like I wouldn't say amicable because I, again, like I at all cost could not communicate with this person. Okay. Right. Um, and that was for mental and emotional health and, and right. security. Um, and so I had to play nice um, while choosing to be quiet, um, which is hard because you have emotions that you want to vent out. And I really could not do that in their direction. And so, um, by the time the divorce was finally on the table, 
X took the summer of love with Mistress X. I got, you know, things are still intermingling. I got a couple square receipts about being at cideries and breweries. And I'm just like, Ugh. oh, my gosh, I don't <laughs> want to be intertwined with this. Right. Um, and the papers were waiting in their inbox and just, you know, there's a very little back and forth. But um, I followed... I followed the North Carolina law um, to a minimal degree, I believe, and also gave back some and just, and was, and, and I did have a lawyer and, and, you know, I think that is so contentious because on top of this layer, y'all, my dad had passed and he was a lawyer and he, Uh. aside from everything else that he was, you know what I mean? Um, I know that when these things happen, having somebody who has a clear mind about themselves is what you need. And Mm -hmm. I knew that. I knew that growing up with somebody who was very even keeled and able to address like a a scenario as it needed to be and not with the emotion in it. And I said to X, like, I'm going to seek out a lawyer just so I can keep things organized. Like, hi, I have a lot of grief going on here. I don't think I'm up to the task. And I tried to be as gentle about it as possible. Well, it it just wasn't, I think, received well. And there was a little tit for tat. And the lawyer he used was actually a mutual friend of ours. And it was just like, yeah, it just felt so yucky and... Yeah, so he just paraded around and took his time. And then um, finally, once the summer of love for him started to calm down, he signed the papers. But it was so he didn't waiting. make it easy. Even at the end, he didn't help try to, even with someone, yeah. with another partner, even with someone else that he could put his focus on, he still mm-hmm. couldn't do you that solid and help, you know, make it a little easier. Right. No, yeah. it was, um, and I think that's the control factor, right? It's like. Right want right. to have hands on everything. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that sucks. And I'm sorry about your dad. I lost mine in 2019 and I know it's oh not God, me too. easy. So oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Josie. Yeah. Thank you. So divorced and beyond you're divorced yes. and you're beyond. <laughs> what does divorce and beyond look like for you? Freedom. Fabulous freedom. I, yeah, it, it, looks like coming back to myself in the most profound way than I ever have in my entire life. And, um, yeah, you know, I've started my own coaching business and I've relocated. I, I decided to rent my house in North Carolina and I've moved out to Arizona. And I, between that, I took a year and just traveled around and visited friends and, um, you know, it looks it looks like a really unbelievable learning experience and a really hard one and a real recognition for what, you know, we throw a statistic around all the time of like, uh, you know, I don't know what it is up to date. Like 48% of marriages end in divorce now. I think that's because less people are getting married. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, But really the, the depth of what 
what it is and not just a number, not just a percentage and um, how many women in my life have gone through that and really now seen a whole different perspective on it. And that is huge because relationships as humans are what we do every day. And to really understand how misaligned they can be and the pain that 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 can bring intertwined with like the legal system and the constructs of society. It's like, um, it's a real eye opener. Right. And you know what, I'm going to kind of go back to what you said about, um, about how hard it is. It's just, yeah, you hear a statistic, but how hard it is. And I don't know for you, but my father was the first real close family loss that I've had. And my divorce, before the death of my father, my divorce was the worst pain I ever felt in my life. And people compare the two, and I do believe that they are, it's like a death, you know? All the dreams, all the things you you had envisioned for your life, when they say that, it is true. And that's why it's such a grieving process, because it is that kind of, um, it's that kind of trauma in your life. Yeah. I literally heard you say that this morning in one of your podcasts, Josie, about um, how you hadn't lost somebody up until that point and the the grief from the marriage was so compounded. And so catching up with you now and now understanding you've lost somebody and you actually have that comparison. Um, Yeah, it is. It is a lot of grief in, in deciding or being asked to end a marriage. Um, and you're right. It's like, it's even the things you maybe not, you don't think about every day, but you have this idea of this is, this is, this is the trajectory I'm on this with this person, whatever happens, like we're in it and it's a lot. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, I had, uh, my son, our son super early. I was like, I don't know, 22, maybe 23. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking when he goes to college or when he's out of the house, I'm going to be 43. And, you know, I had visions of us taking a a, a Winnebago, if they even <laughs> call that in those anymore. And, and it's doing ca- cross country. And this is the life we're going to live because we're going to be so young when our child is grown. And these are the things we're going to do. And, you know, these were plans that I had for my future, which obviously were things that you also had to come to terms with that weren't going to happen. Um, and I, I bring that up only because because I do, I follow you on Instagram and I watch your stories and you are, you know, you're kind of like living that life of that freedom and that adventure. And, and when I see it, I always remember I had thought at some point in my life that that was what I was going to try to do. And it looks so, so peaceful and so fulfilling. So wow. I highly recommend people to follow her. If you're <laughs> listening, check her out on Instagram because it's fun to watch you. It's, it's really, um, it does bring a peacefulness to watch you. So you look like you're really at peace. Yes. (laughs) I feel so happy. Like I, I do. I, I don't think, and I, and maybe you, you can speak to this. I don't think I ever thought what, what it would be like on the other side. Cause when I did, it was scary, but I just knew I couldn't be in the marriage anymore. Right. And after, obviously there's grief and obviously as we're sharing, like it, the divorce took time. Like it's, it's all a process. Right. Um, But as you keep moving, 
and you're able to move towards yourself. Like um, I reconnected with a teacher from high school and she first thing in her message, she was like, you look so happy. And the amount of people that literally will tell me like, there's something about your aura or you're glowing. It's like, even on days that feel off, like it's my heart feels back together. And it's, wow. it's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's uh, priceless really. It, it really is. So, so let me ask you if you can tell us or women out there that might be in this situation, you can speak better than I can to women who might want to, but are scared because of this, because they can't imagine what their future is going to be. They're too scared of what's on the other side of them saying, I need to be done. Yeah. Um, and they just aren't sure how to take that next step. What would you tell, what, would you, what advice, what help could you offer to these women? Yeah, to find a way to separate yourself, to think, even if it's 30 seconds in your car every day, to just try and be still and think about what it is that you really want. And I will borrow the advice from my bestie because what she said to me, and I will never forget it, sitting on my deck feeling crazy as we all do with all these thoughts that go on, what can you live with? It comes down to what can you live with? And with my divorce compounded at the same time with my dad's passing, uh, life, the fragility of life was in my face. And it really comes down to what can you live with? Because at the end of the day, you're the one going to look back on your life. And it's it's really going to come down to choices that you've made and how you feel you exit this life, you know, and I, that's that, and I know this is heavy pages, so I feel okay saying that because it feels really heavy. Um, if I hadn't had that perspective, you know, I might've continued to try and make it work and still right. think like a lot of times we think something's wrong with us. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And, and so just really trying to find space and think, what can you live with? And, and I'm going to add one more thing, if it's okay, Josie. Please, go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> There's no right or wrong. And when we get married, we get on this path of we're in a current. And it's a, in a current you feel very fervently in society. And this is right. This is the right path. Now I have the right guy, the right house, the right job. When you decide that you're questioning things and, and a decision is on the horizon, there is no right or wrong. And it's really hard to understand, but that's something that I would say. Wow. I think that is excellent, excellent <laughs> advice. And in closing, I just would like for you to share. I Now you are in the coaching field. I just would love to you to talk a little bit more about that and how your experiences, all of them, have brought you into the life coaching. Awesome. Yeah. So I am a longtime yogi and would work at that capacity and, and also trained as yoga applied as therapy, the, the language has changed for that. So don't pin me on that, but have training in that area. And then I paired that with Ayurveda and in Ayurveda, which is the science of life. It's also an Eastern modality. Um, yeah. So pairing those, once I was in Ayurveda, I was like, how do you pair these Eastern ways with the Western ways? And I really kept going back to coaching. A woman in my program had done coaching uh, 
and another one had her own coaching business. And, and so it kind of was a culmination of all that paired with my life experience. Like I am somebody who is passionate about the little things that make life amazing. And I do believe that I can see these things that people walk around and don't always recognize because they get stuck in their head. And I am a really great conduit of being able to keep that balance and ebb and flow for others. So that is really how I ended up here. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're, and maybe this isn't the correct word, but like you're very attuned to the earth and you're kind of like a minimalist when it comes to like material thing. You're just more like, be happy with what what's what you can surround yourself with nature you can find happiness in what the earth can provide without having to be like having this electronic and this fancy dress and that kind of stuff that's the vibe I get from you would you say that that would be a good way to cover you yeah totally Josie totally (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's great and I, I think um you know it shows you know that you're connected to nature the earth and your 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 vibe is from there, and it's it's a really cool vibe. So I highly recommend mm-hmm. that everyone check you out. I will. Uh, you can shout out your your email, your uh, Instagram, all of those things. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Josie. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at this is Jane Marie, and um, on there in my link tree, you could find a Facebook group. It's the uh, soul sisters empath facebook group for people who if you've been listening and that speaks to you of holding space for others and having that become a disadvantage of really understanding how it can be your superpower um so basically i haunt instagram a lot and on that link tree you can link into my facebook groups and so i think that would be the best place to start Okay. And I will be sure to put all those links anyway in the show notes. So for anyone who is listening and can't go search it right now, just check the show notes. It'll be there. So Jane Marie, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. It was um, interesting, educational, and I really loved your perspective on things. Thank you so much for having me, Josie. It's been more than I ever expected. I, I mean, I like, I also follow you, of course, and just really coming into a place and being in the heavy pages is super cool. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining me. I appreciate it. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's chapter checkup session. A special thanks to Jan Marie for sharing with us. And if you'd like to share your own chapter checkup, please feel free to reach out to me at heavy underscore pages underscore podcast on Instagram. And don't forget to download your free chapter checklist. As always, thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now. Mm